going to invite you to pray with me. Gracious and holy God, um, every time we sit before you and your word, we have the chance um, to have you speak into our lives just um, as uh, Zechariah um, was spoken to uh, through the angel Gabriel and um, Mary and Joseph and the shepherds to come in the stories of Christmas, Lord. Um, remind us uh, that we, uh, through the Spirit's power, um, have the chance to encounter you and your word just as they did um, so many years ago. So be with us this day. Help us to not be afraid, but instead to open ourselves to prepare our hearts to hear the word you have to speak into them this day. It's in your name we ask these things. Amen. Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of Luke. Let us listen to God's word for us this day. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was descended from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and both were getting on in years. Once when he was serving as priest before God during his section's turn of duty, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord to offer incense now at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified, and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I know that this will happen? For I'm an old man and my wife is getting on in years. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak, until the day these things occur. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering at his delay in the sanctuary. When he did come out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He kept motioning to them and remained unable to speak. When his time of service was ended, he returned to his home. 
After those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she remained in seclusion. She said, this is what the Lord has done for me in this time. When he looked favorably on me and took away the disgrace I have endured among my people. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, none of your relatives has this name. Then they began motioning to his father to find out what name he wanted to give him. He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And all of them were amazed. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue freed. And he began to speak, praising God. Fear came over all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about throughout the entire hill country of Judea. All who heard them pondered them and said, What then will this child become? For indeed, the hand of the Lord was with him. The child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day he publicly appeared to Israel. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. When we think of angels, especially at this time of year, there are plenty of images that come to mind. For me, I think of my girls mixed in with other children of the church, dressed as angels for our annual Christmas program and live nativity, halos of sparkly garland atop of their heads. Or I think of this ornament Maya made when she was young that served as our tree topper until Bryn entered the scene. Or I think of the angel-shaped cookie cutter, which comes to mind and is part of the mix when we make sugar cookies each year as a family. While these images of angels from our Advent and Christmas traditions put a smile on my face and warm my heart, The angels of the first Advent and Christmas season elicited a slightly different reaction from those who encounter them. Scripture rarely describes what an angel looks like when they enter the scene, but it is clear each time that they do that the person who they encounter is taken immediately by their presence and appearance. There had to be something to set them apart leaving the one before them so often struck by both awe and fear all at once. When the angel of the Lord appears to Zechariah as he is in the middle of his priestly duties offering incense to the Lord, it is no different. Scripture tells us that Zechariah is terrified and that fear overwhelms him. So the angel does what angels of the Lord so often do when they first encounter the one or ones to whom they have been sent. The angel says to Zechariah, these four words we hear so often in scripture, do not be afraid. Before sharing with Zechariah the message, the angel had been sent to deliver him. What we know about angels from scripture is that they were messengers sent by God to a particular person or group of people to deliver an important message on God's behalf. The wings that are universally a part of our image of an angel 
aren't actually mentioned in the some 273 references to angels in scriptures. And it wasn't until the 4th century that they started to show up in artwork depicting scenes like the one between Zechariah and the divine being who met him at the altar. Since that time, wings have been used by artists to distinguish the angels visually from the women and men they visited. They remind us of the angels' connection to the God of the heavens and the purpose they serve for God, that they traveled from God's heavenly realm to earth and back again, carrying God's messages to God's people. The word angel derives from the Greek angelos, which means messenger. The angels of scripture were messengers of God who spoke God's word into the hearts of the people of their time and invited them to live into God's purpose for them as a result. As we receive their messages anew this Advent and Christmas season, we are invited to live into God's purposes for us as well. We are called to be messengers of God, ready to speak God's word into the hearts of the people of our own time. The message the angel had for Zechariah was one that spoke hope into his life and the life of the world. God invites us to listen to that message of hope once more this day, for we too are a people in need of hope. Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth had been praying for, hoping for a baby for decades by the time the angel meets Zechariah at the altar. The people of Israel had been praying for, hoping for a Messiah, a Savior for generations by the time the angel meets Zechariah at the altar. When we look out upon our lives and our world, it feels like there are so many things for which we too have been praying, been hoping, not just for days, weeks, months, or even years, but for decades, for generations. We wonder if there will ever be an end to our discord, if we will ever learn to live peaceably with one another. Will there ever be enough? Will the injustice and inequality we see across our world finally be eradicated so all God's children have what they need to not just survive, but to thrive in our world? Will we be led to tend to and care for the earth with which we have been entrusted, ensuring her gifts are available for future generations? Will we come to trust in and live our lives for the God who gave us life? Or will we keep trying to make it on our own, making selfish decisions from a place of fear instead of working together in love for God's good for us and for all? There is plenty to fear in our world today, just as there was plenty to fear some 2,000 years ago, as Zechariah made his way to the altar to offer up incense. The angel met and implored him, do not be afraid, for the angel tells him his prayers have been heard. His wife in her old age will become pregnant and bear him a son, John, who will be a sign of hope for God's people. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. He will make ready a people prepared for the Lord. 
Zechariah responds to the angel's message, questioning as he struggles to trust this good news that has just been delivered to him. But how can I know this will happen? For I'm an old man, and my wife is getting on in years. I think we all can relate to Zechariah here. How easy it is for us to hear a message of hope and discount it with facts from our reality. How easy it is to look out at our own lives, out at our world, and be resigned to what is, believing that real change is just impossible. How easy it is to speak words of challenge when we are met with God's messages of hope. I love how the angel responds to Zechariah's question here. First, he puts Zechariah in his place by naming just who he is and what his purpose is. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I've been sent to you to speak to you and bring you this good news. Then he offers what on the surface looks like a punishment to Zechariah, telling him, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak, until the day these things occur. It looks like punishment at first glance, but I actually believe it is provision. I think the angel and God with him knew that Zechariah needed to have his own voice silenced so he could actually hear God's. Zechariah needed a time of preparation for what was to come when he wasn't able to speak his own mind, but instead had to attune his heart to the Lord's. Zechariah needed a season of silence to cultivate his own message of hope. It is so easy for us to be cynical. It is so easy for us to think that nothing will ever change. It is so easy for us to discount God's word of hope. I wonder what it would do if every time we started to voice our own but, every time we started to form our own rebuttal, every time we began to lay out the evidence against God's hope that we stopped ourselves and instead stayed silent. If we weren't listening to our own cynicism, what would we hear from God? If we were kept from speaking our own mind, how might our hearts be attuned to our Lord's? If we entered our own season of silence, what message of hope might be cultivated in us? After his season of preparation, his season of silence, once Zechariah's tongue was freed and he was able to speak again, this was the message he had to share with the people of his time, a message God made sure to record so that it could be shared with us in our time as well. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. 
and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. God sent the baby John to Zechariah and Elizabeth so that he would grow to become a prophet who would make ready a people prepared to meet their Lord. A Lord who by the tender mercy of God, like the dawn from on high, would break upon us, giving light to those who sit in darkness, light to those who find themselves in the shadow of death, giving light that would guide our feet into the way of peace. The message of hope cultivated in Zechariah, proclaimed by his son John and made real in and through Jesus Christ, is the same hope for which we wait and in which we trust on this first Sunday of Advent. We are called, like Zechariah and John before us, to make ready a people, to make ready a people who are prepared to meet our Lord and the hope he brings to the world. We are called, like Zechariah and John before us, to share the message of hope sent by the angels. In all that we say and do, we are called to be a people ready to share more hope with the world. If you find yourself struggling with your own butt, wrestling with your cynicism, holding on to your own rebuttals as you look out upon your life, as you look out upon the world, fall silent and just see. Watch what God will do to make you ready, to make you ready to be a messenger of hope in our world. Amen.